If you were here last week, and I hope you were, we had that group from Lithuania, uh, the praise band and the pastor that was here. And it was just wonderful as all these cultures came together on this stage. And uh, I thank God for that. Thank you for watching online. Uh, if you like it, hit the like button. And I'd appreciate if you'd share it. We want the gospel to get all over the world, including every nick and cranny. If you uh, would uh, have a prayer request, you just hit that notification, write your prayer request. As Christina said, our staff, we pray over these. And we have volunteers who pray over these prayer requests. They're just not something that we ask you to do. It's serious. I was called to a home yesterday, made a visit. Vicki wrote down her prayer need. I'm going to write that on a prayer card so that our staff knows what it is. So if you're online, be a part of that. If you're here, uh, fill out that connection card. Any questions, comments that you want, please put them there, okay? Uh, last the week before, I was out in North Dakota, my first trip out there uh, to the Badlands. Uh, it was 100 degrees when I got on the plane in Florida, and it was 52 when I got off the plane in North Dakota. I was greeted at 54 degrees every morning, and people in the hotel stared at me as I walked around the parking lot in my little shorts and T-shirt, just loving 54-degree weather. And it did get to a high of 61 one morning, and I had to laugh at them. Uh, it got 76 that day, and they were walking around. <sighs> I, I was still enjoying it. Great people. was with Miss Evelyn's son, Dan. Uh, love them, but they're, Miss Evelyn and I got to tell you, they're kind of weird. Okay? Love them. Dan said to me, do you, you play golf? And I said, well... I haven't had time, but now that I supposedly have time, I'm going to try to buy me a set of clubs and play. He said, well, uh, when you come back out, uh, we're talking about going out there next summer, possibly for revival in his church. He said, when you come out, bring your clubs. But when we go play golf, you have to wear two pair of pants. And I said, two pair of, two pair of pants. He said, yeah. And I said, what's the reason for that? He said, well, you may get a hole in one. Uh, <laughs> if you were here this weekend, satellite, I think mine was better. <laughs> Listen, will you please, would you do something for me? There are so much, many people that need the gospel. So many people need friendship. There are a lot of people that you know that have not had someone hug their neck or shake their hand in a long time. There are people that need to know Jesus. And I'm just going to ask you to do something that's very simple. Each week, find one and bring one. You don't have to bring the town, but everybody bring one. And it would surprise me if everybody in here didn't know at least one person that needs to know Jesus or needs to have a church. So I'm going to ask you to really pray and ask God to point that out.
and make it a point every week that we just bring one, praying that God would really speak to them. Now, would you do that? Is the sound on? Would you all do that? All right. Chapter 7 of the book of Mark. Chapter 7 is, like every book, a great book. But sometimes when we read, we only read sections. We don't realize how it fits together. So this morning, we're going to look at the uh, chapter 7 and the issue. It, it goes, there's a vast contrast. Uh, Jesus has been in Galilee for almost a year. Uh, he has been harassed. Uh, he has not been accepted well. People have rejected him. And the religious community keeps sending these Pharisees and leaders to, uh, I think, try to haunt him and follow him around. There's another issue. Now Herod thinks that uh, John the Baptist has been resurrected from the dead uh, because of the things that Jesus is doing. So it's getting a little dangerous, and we're going to see that Jesus moves from Galilee into a pagan Gentile area. And we're going to notice the response of the people of Israel and the religious leaders and the response of a pagan, uh, a pagan woman. And we're going to see some discussion between her and Jesus. And the contrast is going to be huge. Uh, let's, let's look at a title of the message. What is the issue? What is our issue? And in Mark 7, 1 through 13, I think he kind of lays it out. These are your religious leaders, some of the teachers. They take turns. Sometimes it's Pharisees, Sadducees. Sometimes it's Hasmonean. But these guys travel all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee to just follow Jesus around and spy on him. So the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who came from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. Now, let me explain something to you. This is not like we do. Go in, put your soap on, and lather up your hands, rinse them off, dry them off, and go to the table. The disciples were not heathen. They're just working guys, okay? Here was the issue. It's called being ceremonially unclean. This group of religious leaders would go into the marketplace. And as they rubbed up against people or came in contact with people, they would immediately go home. And before they ate, they would take a bath, change clothes, and ceremonially wash their hands. They had this cute little cup, had two handles. One for the left hand, one for the right hand. And they would take the cup and they'd pour water three times over the right hand. Then they would hold it in the right hand and pour water three times over the left hand. Now, when I saw that demonstration, I'm thinking the dirt is here. So by their thinking, they can become clean by just kind of pouring a little water on it. If you recall when Jesus challenged him one time, he said, you are like whitewashed sepulchers. That meant your, your grave is so beautifully painted, but inside is death and decay. 
He talked about them washing the outside of the cup, the outside of the, of the pot and the kettles, but never the inside because the teachings was this. The Pharisees looked on the outside. And, and so if they did the right things and in the right order, then everything's okay. And I just want to pause here a minute and say this. I'm afraid this is where the body of Christ has evolved to today. Because from the first century, when Jesus walked on this earth, and then the early church exploded across the world. When you get down into this generation and time that we leave, there are so many models of churches. There are churches that do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, as they would call it, of ten ways to have a marriage, five ways to love your wife, fifteen ways to raise your kids, Ten ways to how to live in a community. All of this stuff that's being preached does not address the sin that is in this world. It does not address the remedy for sin, Jesus Christ. It's simply some feel-good messages so you can come to church, ceremonially wash your hands, and go home and check your box. That's where the church has deteriorated today. I can remember as a young pastor, this was my education. The first time we had the Lord's Supper, I didn't realize what a big deal it was. I mean, I knew what the Lord's Supper was, what it meant to me. But I came into church that morning, and I thought we had a casket in there. I, honest, I thought we had a funeral. Because on our front table, there was this three sheets over some stuff. And there was a sheet under it. And it all, I mean, it was just sitting there. And I'm thinking, what is that? And this, the lady in charge, she said, that's the Lord's Supper. Don't you know anything? I said, well, I guess not. But why you got it covered up? You got flies in here? <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's the presentation. And, and they had classes, I found out, for the deacons on how to fold the sheets and unfold them and place them. And then in their bylaws, they would have like the Lord's Supper on the third Sunday after the full moon. And it had to be at that time. And if they missed it, you had to wait till the next time. And I saw right then nothing but formality. And you see, this is what this picture is. It's a picture that we don't want to look at. Because I'm going to tell you, you can be living a very formal religion. You can really be checking boxes on what you think is acceptable to God, worried about what others may think about you, instead of really understanding that this worship is worship of a person. This Jesus who is alive, this Jesus who bled for us, this Jesus who is closer than a brother, this Jesus that through his spirit walks with us in life, carries us through the dark valley of the shadow of death, carries us through issues 
that make other people crash and burn. See, that's the church. From the time of Moses of Ten Commandments to the time that Jesus was here, the Pharisees had come up with 613 additional mikkas or laws or commandments that they had added to the other ten. And this washing the hands, that was a huge issue. Jesus had healed people. He had healed their eyesight. He had healed the cripple. He had healed lepers. Jesus had spoke new life into people. But the religious community was worried that these guys may be ceremonially unclean. I pastored a church one time where over a hundred people left when I began to do ministry in the community because the byword was, we don't want those kids hanging around with our kids and we don't want those people in our church. I want to tell you this morning, the body of Christ was created for those children and those people. And that's who we're to reach. And that's when they come in. That when they come in, they are welcome, not as some stranger, not as something other than somebody that is here because Jesus brought us, brought us here. But you see, it from this time in the first century, the wheels were working that we live on ceremony and not the gospel of Christ. Okay, that's free. I'll get to my message. I could, thank you. Pharisees and Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands. A ceremonial washing. They really didn't get the dirt out. All right, let's go. Holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And when they observe many other traditions such as the washing of the cups, the pitchers, and the kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? There are thousands of churches today that exist in the tradition of the elders and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead of eating their food with unclean hands. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by man. You have let go of the commandments of God and you are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own traditions. He gives an example. Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban, that is, a gift devoted to God. And then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. Thus you nullify 
the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. Every time I drive US-1 and get close to I-95, I look to my right and I'm reminded of this scripture. You know why? There's a building out there named Corbin. Big letters. Corbin means devoted to God. This is what Jesus was saying. Rather than honoring their parents and taking care of their parents. Because in that society, the the children took care of their parents, provided their needs. And instead of doing that, they could say, this money is Corbin. I've devoted it to God. It may not ever get to God, but it's devoted to God and their responsibility has ended. That was simply an illustration of how God's law said one thing and they reverted to the teaching and traditions of man instead of the word of God. You see, we're living right now today in the very type of times in two ways. The ceremony, the, the checking of boxes that, that goes through the body of Christ. And secondly, the notion that people are basically good people. While we, I was in North Dakota, I was hosting a, a lunch and we were joking about kids and I said something about vipers in diapers. And, and this lady, uh, got indignant with me and she said, I have, you know, my children are not vipers. About that time, her year and a half year old reached up to her Coke cup, picked it up and turned it upside down on the table. I didn't say a word. I promise you. I just kind of got, I couldn't help but get a little smile on my face, but I didn't say anything. People are not basically good. For all have sinned, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all came into this world on equal footing in this world. We are all sinners. Yet the world says this. The sin is rubbed off on us. You see, that's what the, the Pharisees were saying. When they go to marketplace, those people were there and their sins influenced them and it rubbed off on them. In the late 60s, I can remember when my children were young, we had a young man come to our, our church and, uh, it was a mistake. It wasn't my, I wasn't pastoring there, but anyhow, he came and he was talking about devilistic music. And, and he got the kids up into this emotional peak. And on Saturday night, they burnt tapes and CDs and, and talked about how bad and evil the influence of music. Now, I'm going to tell you, music can influence you. I am not doubting that one bit. Okay. However, a week after he left town, the CD and the record business went up in our town. Because if you don't change the inside, absolutely nothing is going to occur on the outside that will change you. You got to have a change of mind. You got to have a change of heart. But today we'd say the environment is why we're sinners. Uh, friends, the wrong people don't hang out with the wrong crowd, which is true. And how about parents? 
This boy's in court for beating people up and stealing a car because he liked chocolate chip cookies and his mama would only make oatmeal cookies. And so it just, it, it marked him for life and he went into a life of crime because of his mama and daddy. And that's where we are today. Jeremiah had a little, little word about that. Jeremiah 17 said, the heart is deceitfully above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart. It's the heart of the issue. Giving is a heart issue. Being faithful is a heart issue. Studying. Looking at your word, the word of God, praying, it is a heart issue. It's not a matter, do you have time or any of the other excuses that we give. It comes down to what is the heart. You see, the Old Testament teaching teaches this. God looks on the inside while man looks on the outside. You remember when Samuel was looking For a new king to replace Saul. He went to David's brothers. And now all of his brothers was marched in front of him. And he saw this handsome guy. God told Samuel, don't look at him. Don't look on the outside. He's not the one I've chosen. For I have looked on the inside. We spend a lot of time trying to fool other people into thinking we're something we're not and we have a relationship with God that we do not and we forget that we may fool all of our friends, but there's one above that we cannot fool. Jesus emphasized this when he went further. I probably won't. I'm just just going to touch on this scripture. Uh, Mike, we got to move along. Jesus brought the crowd together and he said something about let me tell you something. Nothing on the outside of a person can defile them by going in. But he said it's like this. Nothing from the outside can enter, can defile, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomachs and then out of his body. He was talking about in this instance also that there was no food that was taboo for people to eat. All of the rules, the dietary, all of this stuff. Jesus is saying it's not what comes in. It's what comes out. When we open our mouth, that is what reveals what is the inside. He said sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and follies. All of these things are on the inside and defile a person. This is the importance of the cleansing of the gospel of Jesus Christ because only Jesus can take away sin. I know people that have labored for years in their mind trying to get God to love them, trying to get God uh, to... to, to uh, to bless them, and they do everything that they should. Now, here's the thing. What is the difference? You say, well, preacher, you ask us to go on mission trips. You ask us to give. You ask us to serve. You ask us to be in a small group. Exactly. But you know what that comes from? That comes from the heart. 
These are things and responses that come from a person whose heart has been changed. And we spend our time learning to be who we are. I think I've told you my story about the farmer that put a chicken egg in with duck eggs. And the old duck sat on them and hatched them. And the old duck, when they all hatched, would march around the farmer's barnyard. And that little chick would get right in line with them. And he'd walk with all those ducklings. And they would eat corn. And the little chick would eat corn. Then came the day, Mama's going to teach the duckies to swim. Mama made a circle, went out in the water. Her feet started paddling. Each one of those ducks started paddling. They all swam off, and the biddy drowned. And the reason the biddy wasn't a duck, and the biddy couldn't swim. But you see, when your heart is new, when Jesus has come on the inside and cleansed that very center of who we are, Everything we do from then is an outpour of gratitude, obedience, and love for Jesus Christ. It does not come because it's law. It doesn't come out of have to. It comes because of adoration. Now, let's quickly get to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Jesus leaves there, Galilee, and he goes to Tyre which is ancient Phoenicia, and today that would be southern Lebanon. And he's in this house wanting to rest. But here comes a woman, okay? Let's look at that that text, Mike. I'm going to be looking at it from Matthew uh, 15. Leaving that place, Galilee, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David. Remember when the Pharisees came to see him? What was their issue? Your disciples don't wash their hands. And if you go back, everywhere Jesus went, in his hometown and in Israel, he was met with objection and disbelief. Here is a pagan who worshipped idols, who had very little scripture, and she recognized the Messiah, the Lord, son of David, is a messianic term. Out of all of those wise men, it took a little lady in a pagan country who recognized son of David, son of God, Messiah. Have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terrible from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps on crying out after us. He answered to the lady, I was sent to the only, to the lost sheep of Israel. I think he said that in a reminder to his disciples What was the main mission? Now, Israel, from the Old Testament standpoint, was supposed to be a kingdom of priests who would reach the Gentile world with the message of the one true God, and they failed. Jesus was here reaching the Jewish people. So he's reminding his disciples, I'm here for the lost tribe of Israel, 
But I think that also it was a test to this lady. The woman came and then knelt before him. Notice her term of Lord. The Pharisees, the Sadducees never addressed him as Lord. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from under their master's table. What a masterful conversation. Here is a pagan that has had little or no exposure to the message of the Messiah. Yet she addresses Jesus as Lord. She addresses him as Messiah. And she has the audacity to challenge the Son of God. Are you afraid to challenge the Son of God in your prayers? I don't mean irreverently. But instead of talking about how God doesn't answer my prayer, stay on your knees and stay focused to the only one that's going to answer your prayers, and that's Jesus. You see, the Gentiles looked at, or excuse me, the Jews looked at Gentiles as dogs. And in the Greek, there are two words for dogs. The first word means mongrel. They just run the streets. If you've ever been to Israel, Egypt, uh, Jordan, they're just hundreds of thousand dogs that run the street. But the second term means a household pet. Now, I don't have a dog. I used to have dogs when I had property. But I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I can't picture me with a bag walking behind my dog, okay? Just not going to go there too old to learn new tricks. So I got a cat. My cat's smart. She takes care of herself. But she's under my table. Anything I eat, she'll eat. She loves root beer floats. Hold my hand up. Chocolate pudding with whipped cream on it. Banana pudding. It don't matter. If I eat it, she'll eat it. So this is kind of that reference. Jesus is saying, my message is for Israel. And it's not right to give it to the pets. This woman says, even the pets get the crumbs. She put right back to Jesus who he was and what his overall mission was all about. And it was about the world. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That, I love this word, whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. You say, well, you know, I'm this and I don't have that. We, we're so excuseful. Let me tell you, this was, number one, a woman that in this time was an object She was a piece of property. She had no standing. Nobody just really cared. Secondly, she was a Gentile woman from a pagan country. She was a descendant of the Canaanites. That was Israel's mortal enemy. And yet she came into the presence of Jesus. She was persistent in her talking. 
And she was focused on the only one that could help her. She wasn't there to talk to the disciples or any other religious leaders. She was there to see Jesus. This woman's daughter's healing is not the primary point of this. See, we, we lose this when we study the Bible. It's, oh, this woman was healed and that woman. We, we forget the point. Here's the point. This woman's faith, humility, reverence, persistence, and the object of her faith, Jesus. This is for us. We have the truth. Do you know that Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required? I was thinking today, uh, today and, and the last week in preparing this message, how many messages have I read and heard? How many Christian books have I read? How much knowledge, how many things has God opened and shown me? And it's scary because of the responsibility that I have. I'm trying to spend my life pouring back out everything God poured in. And I think that's the way we need to live our life. Second, the greatness of this lady's faith is magnified when compared to how little she knew. What does it take to draw people to walk faithfully with God? Do you have to hear a thousand messages? What's the key? Evelyn sang it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You see, the whole world opens up on that name. It goes far beyond anything we can think of, we can imagine, we can believe. You see, we spend all of our time in America putting a fence around God and what He can do. Our pastor, church planner that we support in Egypt, 541 churches, 16 in the mix right now. There's revivals going on all over the world among people who've heard very little about the name and about the gospel. I want to challenge you, friends. I'm looking at blessed people. And I'm asking you, start pouring out. Forget this retirement garbage. Well, I'm not, I don't mean go back to your job and all. I'm just talking about, problem is we've kind of retired from our, our Christian walk. Had someone tell me just last week, Preacher, I've been serving the Lord for 50 years. It's time for somebody else. And I gave her this book and I said, would you please show me chapter and verse of where that's at? We've got to get back in the game, people. Because there's people your age that are going to die today in this town under the shadow of this church that doesn't know Jesus. 
and that is a crime. If you're online watching us this morning and you don't know Jesus, there's an I have decided button. Would you please hit that? Someone will be contacting you, talking to you about your walk and and baptism with Jesus. We're going to have folks up here on either side. If you have prayer needs, if you'll come here. If you want to know more about knowing Jesus, come here. But please today, get back in the ball game. There's a world to reach for Jesus. And he's given us the message that will do it. Fathers, we come to you today. Thank you for this word of God. Challenge our hearts. Forgive me, God, when I've become complacent and ask you to give me something new when I've not used what you've already given me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.